0: Welcome to River Writers, a production of the Writers Guild of Astoria, a 501c3 nonprofit supporting writers in the literary arts in Astoria and the Lower Columbia region. I'm your host, Sean Davis. Now, I know most of you were expecting Dale Olson, who co-founded this amazing show, but Dale's stepped away for a while, and we just wanted to thank her for everything that she's done for this show and for just the literary community in Astoria. So I'm excited to have the man, the myth, the legend, Case Johnson here with me. Case Johnson lives and writes in Ogden, Utah. He's the author of the novel Castaway. That's coming out in 2024 from Tory House. Uh, you're the yeah. author yeah. of Let the Wild Grasses Grow, which has been named a Women's National Book Association Great Group Read 2022, a High Plains Book Award Fiction Finalist in 2022, and a Reading the West Longlist nominee. That's that's a that's a pretty big list, man. You're an award-winning novelist. I don't or a writer. I don't think I'm going to say that any other way.
1: Yeah, I'm like I said, I'm going to I'm going to have everybody say it that way from
0: now on. I'm just going <laughs> to award-winning book. writer I... Case Johnston. Your essay collection "Tortillas for Honkeys and Poker mm-hmm. Tables" and "Bonuelos" was named for uh named a finalist for the 2013 and 2020 Autumn Hope Press Nonfiction Awards. Most of the the essays in those collections have found homes in places like The Real Story, Creative Nonfiction Magazine, which that's that's huge, The Good Men Project, which is a great um, publication, Under the Gum Tree, 34th Parallel, The Watershed Review. Man, you're all over the place. It's really, really great. Um, you're also the author of one of my favorite books, Beyond the Grip of Stenostosis. Um, it's one of my favorite books, not because of the content, although you did a great job. is just, I got to do the illustration of all the baby skulls in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, those are important. That, it was your illustrations that make the book so expensive. <laughs> you can't buy it for less than 50 bucks. because, And it's true. It's because of the medical art.
0: So there you go. All right. Uh, but that book took you places too. Pennsylvania Parenting Magazine, Portland Family Magazine, the Ogden Standard Examiner many other places. Uh, you had mentions in the Chicago Tribune and Seattle Times. That was the book that award, got you the gold quill, first place, and the creative nonfiction by the League of Utah Writer for 2015. Wow. And then that same year, you won third place as well, right?
1: Yeah, for Utah Reflections. My Mary, my wife and I and um, another colleague co-edited it, co-wrote and co-edited it, and it did well. <laughs>
0: So, all right. So we're, we're ready to to start this in earnest. And I have to be honest with everybody. I know this is a program that usually highlights Oregon writers, um, but Case lives in uh, rights, like we said, in Ogden, Utah. They both start with a O. Is that the connection? No, you have uh, Oregon connections. You got your master, your, M- your MFA, Masters in Fine Arts from Pacific University. Uh, it was a low residency program. So in the summer times, what, it was like two weeks in Forest Grove, Oregon, and then in the winter time, uh, you guys do the residency in Seaside. So, what would you think of the Oregon coast? I love it. It's gorgeous.
1: It's absolutely gorgeous. We, I need to get back there as soon as absolutely possible.
0: So nowadays you're pretty busy. I was trying to get your um, your your job title, and from what I can understand, you're the manager for the center of the book of the book, which is funny. That's it's a definite. Um, article Mm -hmm. there manager for the center of the book for the utah humanities Mm -hmm. Uh, what does that mean
1: uh so the manager for the utah center for the book is um one of 53 center for the book um positions in in the united states obviously every state has one and then guam and puerto rico and such have theirs what it is is it, it is it's a position that is tied directly to the library of congress um, so, I mean, Utah is represented for the Library of Congress. Um, Oregon has their own. Um, and our goal is to promote literacy, to promote pro- 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 books, pro- pro- promote authors. Um, and my job here, beyond that, we find beyond that national tie, is to put put together the Utah Book Festival, which is a month long. Uh, we bring in authors um, from all over to, to across the state of Utah. Um, events. We, I think we had 78 events this year with 120 authors across the state of Utah. Wow. And it's our goal to really shape literary Utah. Um, and it's just it's just a really, really cool job to be a part of that. To be a part of that, that that web nationally too, to be in that conversation about what we're doing nationally to promote literacy, to promote books, to promote authors. Uh, it's a dream job. Which is job tough only... today in this climate, yeah.
0: in this uh, type of society and atmosphere. <laughs> to, to promote reading <laughs> is a difficult job.
1: It is. I mean, some people are people are really scared of reading or letting other people's people read for some reason. And, um, you know, we all know the politics behind it. Um, since this is a non-political position, I um, I have to be careful. But at the same time, um, um, we know it's hard. It is. I mean, there's a lot of book banning going on. There's a lot of people scared of reading and um, reading. Yeah. I mean,
0: how do you deal with book banning in, in Utah? Does that it is it, it happening? Big-
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Today,
0: in the year 2024, it's still happening.
1: Yeah, it's a lot's happening. We're one of the states that, you know, along the same lines, just um, our our legislature just um, cut any any language of inclusion and diversity from hiring at the universities or at, or for applications uh, for students going to the universities. Um, and they also cut the, those words from any state office. Well, besides <laughs> doing,
0: you know, writing your books and working for the Utah Humanities and trying to get people to, to read, uh, you also wrote a uh, screenplay with Trevor, Trevor Birell. You wrote Trevor a I- screenplay with Trevor Birrell, uh for Let the Wild Grasses Grow. And that's been out there winning some awards,
1: yeah. so we're actually, yeah, so we've um gotten seven official selections for um, film festivals or screenplay competitions. Of those seven, we've gotten either semi-finalist or quarterfinalist. Um, we're still waiting on three festivals um because the festivals haven't happened yet, but they're it's official official selections for for seven festivals or contests, <laughs> which is really, really, really cool.
0: So that's great, you know, because we've known each other. Was it been like fifteen years now? Am I am I way off? Yeah, at least. Remember, Mm -hmm. uh, because and and we started as those young writers, and like, what do we do? Lit magazines, and I mean, what do you? First off, the first part of this question is what would you tell young writers if they want to I mean because you have become I know you don't feel like you're you're successful and I know you, well maybe you feel like you're successful, but I think that you believe that there's a long ways that you can go still, right? Turning in your books into movies and all that other good stuff. but for those young writers like we were 15 years ago, how would you tell them to get on that road uh, get on that that track to to, to um, success? I would say, just using me
1: as an example, you just don't have to be that talented. You just, you know, <laughs> uh, you. It's all about it's about persistence. It really is. It's about persistence. It's about, um, but honestly, and I I teach I teach writing quite a bit still. Um, I teach I'm teaching right now for the Lighthouse, um, Writers out of Denver, and, you know, uh, I'm actually teaching a class that I started last night. It's about writer's block and. You know, I think that it comes down to this. Like, I have never seen – I think I've gotten – I've become a better writer, and I think I learned how to be a decent writer. Um, But Sean knows that uh, we, we know a lot of writers who are just really, really talented have mm-hmm. never done much.
0: Yeah, those are the worst type of writers because we have to work so hard. <laughs>
1: yeah, right, but do, yeah, but they don't do – yeah, but they don't – they're not – they don't have books and stuff like that because they, they rely on pure talent. Uh, which I can't um, and I say that with honestly I mean I say that self-deprecatingly de- but I honestly say that honestly too well I'm
0: that but there is some yeah. I'm not saying that I was gonna say there's some truth to that that you're not talented no that's not what I'm trying to say I'm trying to mm-hmm. say that there is truth that you have to you have to work hard at this because really the entire the entire job of a writer is to put uh, words in orders that people will like you know and 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 that's tough. That's a tough thing to do. I always tell people when I teach writing that, um, writing is easy until you think you're good at it then <laughs> it gets really yeah. hard.
1: Then it gets hard. I think I write less now than I did six, seven years ago. I I'm happy to write three days a week now. Um, where I, when I was grinding, I was writing five or 6,000 words a day for a really long time for probably seven, eight, nine years, maybe even 10 years. And that's great. I needed that. Cause I think I was scared that if I didn't, I would never come back to it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm to the point now that I think I'm, you know, I'm project, I'm more project based. Like I'm working on something for three days a week and I'm happy with those three days because I know that I'll come back the next week um, and work on it. Um, But I think that those 10 years of writing every day, grinding it out really did help my craft. It made me tell stories better. Yeah. I I
0: try to tell, cause I teach writing uh, here in Astoria and people are like, yeah, I, I want to write about this, want to write that, but no. And then I like, well, what, what, what kind of books do you read? I'm like, oh, I don't read too much. I mean, isn't do you feel like reading isn't uh, a very important part of being a writer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wish I could read more. Well, the, the great part about my new job is I get to read for work, so it's you like, have
0: to read for work though. Does it turn into work?
1: No, it's fabulous. Yeah. It really, really <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Um, but yes, but the thing is like, I'm reading six books at a time and I always have, but I'm so slow. Like I, it will take me a year to read eight books. You know, I'll probably only read, I'm not like. No, a year
0: on... to read eight books, but there's some people who don't read, uh, you know, or right. read one book in a year. But that... Yeah, but,
1: I'll, you know, but I will read 500 words a day total, but I spend time in those words. Like I really spend time on like, how did the author do this? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I think about it like this. It's like, For authors, it takes us years to write a book. I'm not going to skim their work.
0: Now, talking about uh, people who want to become writers and, like, say, I know that for a fact. I mean, you always had a full-time job. You were going Mm -hmm. to school. um, You have a family. And then you're trying to write. And writing nowadays is difficult enough. But that's not – that's only half of being a writer. Now you have to hustle. Now you have to get out there and – and you have to, you have to become your own marketing. You have to become your own PR. You have to become your own everything. And and that's hard. I mean, how do you balance all of that stuff?
1: You know, honestly, and this is for anybody who looks at this writing thing and says, I don't have time. Like, I would say that I have 40 minutes a day on those days for all those years. I have 40 minutes a day to write total. Um, and I've never really had more, um, and now that I have a little bit more time, even though with, with this new job, I've, I at 40 minutes, it's kind of where I'm, I'm done, just through habit. Um, but it's making, you know, it's that 40 minutes that I was committed to. Um, and it, that's usually from like, 5 20 a.m to 6 a.m and then as you know sean then the kids wake up or they'll wake up and yeah. or you know especially when they're young you don't know when they're gonna wake up you get down there <laughs> at 5 20 and you're thinking okay i got 40 minutes and your your kid gets up at 5 26 you're like
0: yeah, 20 oh. minutes later he's dancing on your head while you're trying to type right. something out i get it right yeah get it. um but you, so you yeah. just have to find the time make the time Yeah.
1: but for marketing stuff yeah i, I like i used to. I'm becoming better at being shameless. Um,
0: you have to. You have to put it yourself. Yeah, out there.
1: it's not easy. It's not easy for me at all. I would rather promote everybody else's book, and that's what I've been doing for the last 15 years: is promoting everybody else's book through podcasts or reviews or mm-hmm. anything. Oh yeah, um, I didn't
0: even mention the podcasts that you have going on. You wanna you wanna talk about them and where to listen to them?
1: Sure. Um, you can listen to literally, literally podcast, which is you just Google the Banyan Collective literally. Um, literally, and then the
0: Banyan Collective.
1: So we did the Literally podcast, and then we did Bourbon, Beer, and Books with with Sean here for a while. We need to do that again. That oh, for a, sure, that was awesome. fun. Uh, but th- with this new position, we've started a new podcast, so I've kind of abandoned the Literally podcast for um, uh, the Utah Humanities official podcast, Check Your Shelves, which you can find on all streaming, all st- all podcast streaming services. But yeah, but I, I mean, it's hard to market your own stuff, and I don't really don't like marketing my own stuff. Um, in the last, since Wild Grasses came out, I've been better, um, I, uh, just plugging
0: it. Um, but I would rather. Well, it doesn't hurt when you win a couple of awards, and then you're like, oh, I can, I can promote this because I want some awards.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean that helps. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it helps the confidence out, the yeah, comments level at least, huh?
1: really really does i have i mean it does i mean i can't i wish i could say that i had that co- i have that confidence when i wake up every morning but i don't i don't know i, re- I really like telling these stories um so you would do I'd it even if
0: you had an audience of you know three or four people i remember being at some of these readings together where there's only two or three people oh, in yeah. the audience so oh, yeah it
1: still happens oh my gosh it still happens absolutely i had when i was uh at bookstores for wild grasses i think there was one place, there was a, a cider joint in, in like uh, Southern Colorado, and there was no one there for me. They were there for the cider. And, um, <laughs> this lady had too much cider, and she would just yell things. And I was like, okay, I guess she's, <laughs> um, she's just yelling but, stuff. Yeah, you got I a heckler. That's like, awesome. Well, I've heard of that. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Fine.
0: For those of you just joining us, this is Sean Davis for KMUN's River Riders, sponsored by the Riders Guild. This morning I'm speaking with award-winning author Case Johnston. Oh, hey! I wanted to talk about. We were talking about uh, becoming, you know, as young writers trying to figure out how to get to that on that track of success. And I know uh, early on, I think what really um, it helped me out because I was writing about everything. But then I started writing about military stuff, which I'm unique to uniquely qualified because you know I was in the military for such a long time. But I think we had discovered, like, when you have a niche, it kind of gives you a head start. I mean, would you agree?
1: I, I think honestly, if, if you have an opportunity to write about something where you have an inside view of it, mm-hmm. I think you should go for it. You know, I think that's I think that's the key. Um, you know, I had I was born with cranial craniosynostosis. It was a book I didn't want to write. I never planned on writing it. Um, but I, when we got pregnant in two thousand ten. I was looking into if my son would if it was hereditary if there was a chance that he would be born with craniosynostosis
0: and can and you I define that her... though because i think you yeah. kind of skipped over it i said i drew baby skulls but i didn't explain it
1: yeah, yeah. craniosynostosis <laughs> is a birth defect um that one or multiple sutures of the baby's skull is fused before birth, or fused before the the the, the suture should be fused. So it's basically um, my sagittal suture was fused, meaning from I I had no fontanelles; they were all, all rock hard, and the suture that connects them across the top of the skull was closed as well. And what the problem with this is, our brains. Are growing and our sutures shouldn't be closing until our late teens early 20s and this our forces brain...
0: this forces the mother to make a terrible decision right
1: it's a really hard decision uh i don't think there really is a decision but it's a scary one
0: um and to it's to a... actually manually yeah. have the doctor break the baby's skull
1: yeah open the skull and they do it in a lot of different ways and mine was in 1975 so it was still pretty darn new um, but when I looked at what was out there, there were medical texts and there were memoirs from moms about having to go through this situation. There was no real mix of memoir um, that actually did the medical history, the sutural history, um, and the, the history of the birth defect back all the way back 100,000 100, years, actually. They found skulls wow. um, that mimic mine or mine mimic them in the sense that, they were, that they were, there was this birth defect. I never wanted to write about it, but then I realized nobody else had, and if I were a parent, I would want a book like mine. Um and so I wrote about it. I mm-hmm. did the research, talked to people all over the world doctors all from the best doctors in the world and families all over the country hearing their stories.
0: Um But you also wrote about uh running. You like to run. You do yeah. Ironmans and half marathons sure. yeah. and marathons and ultra marathons.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that goes back to write what you know. And, you know, everybody, hear, everybody hears that, and some people say no. But when you're just getting started,
0: you know... It's a good I way to get in the door, and then you get a couple yeah, of easy wins, right? right? And then and all of a sudden, you you're find- writing an uh, article about Taylor Swift, which is shared on You who <laughs> and yeah. millions of people see it, right? What, we'll what was it. that? You wrote that. What was that about exactly, the Taylor Swift really, article?
1: Yeah, that one was about... <laughs> my son loved it. He was like three um and he wanted to hear it. and i was having a really hard day and um i got it, him to i i found it in the car on a cd and put it in and it just cheered me up because him singing along to taylor swift and um wrote about that and that was the only thing i've ever written that went viral that oh, was 2015 a... but the thing is is i think they people say don't yeah. write what you know i'm like well what are you, how are you going to write about what you don't know i mean it, that's yeah. impossible i re- interviewed craig Lancaster once, and, He's a really good writer. He's he's out of Montana, and he had a great quote. He said, every character you write in fiction has elements of you in them and elements of other people you've met in your life in them. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and even if you try not to make it happen, it's a, every character is a mix of people you know and, and who you are inside, if you want to share it or not. Uh,
0: that's what I tell my students all the time is like have notebooks with you. If you hear an interesting piece of dialogue or if you see somebody doing something that draws your eye, write that down in your, mm-hmm. in your journal and you can use it for a story because that all builds on the ethos, the, your appeal to credibility when you're writing, correct?
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, and you're going to write better about something you're passionate about. If you're passionate about running, if you're passionate about, you know, a birth defect you were born with that you think it it affects your life every day, you're going to write better about it. You're not going to write as well about something you don't care about as something you care about. So, and if you have an inside view Think I I would think about it this way that other people don't have it but they want they would love to see it and you're maybe you're the vehicle to give it to them and then you can you know expand outwards obviously I mean um, you know from there
0: or if you um, are a parent that is wondering about something that might be hereditary like you said right so and you know I I did the same thing with uh, post traumatic stress disorder coming back from war I wanted to write about it to show people you can live through it you know and I yeah. think. I don't know if I, I, I guess I was passionate about that. I wasn't really passionate about the horrible things that I had to go through, but um, I guess you either. I mean, your mother had yeah. to make a tough choice. I, I understand you're saying it's not a tough choice whether or not, you know, yeah. go ahead and bust that baby's skull to, to, to let grow a healthy brain. But through your research, you found that some women, some mothers didn't do that, and then their child yeah. had grown up the, with those effects, yeah. right? Right,
1: with multiple, multiple, multiple issues, uh physically, developmentally uh, emotionally how to break your uh,
0: heart while you're reading it while you're uh yeah researching yeah it.
1: absolutely and i mean yeah i think he pointed out i mean it's not it's got to be a, it's i think it's the only decision but it's got to be it, it would be horribly tough and scary for a mom especially now being a dad to to let your child go under the knife for six seven oh, eight yeah. hours you oh. know so yeah, but I mean to go back to the question, like write about what you're passionate about. Your writing's mm-hmm. gonna be better. Your prose is gonna be better. You're gonna be. It's gonna be more sustainable to write seventy thousand words about something you, you care about than you're only gonna get. You're not gonna get that many words out of something that
0: you don't. And so that's nonfiction side, but fiction side. I mean, so you did uh, let the wild grasses grow, and can you tell me um, that's a that's a that's a novel, but you still yeah. have a little bit of your own personal history in that, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That that book is a reimagining of my grandma Cordova and, I mean, my grandma Cordova Chavez and my grandpa Cordova's lives in southern rural Colorado, where they were born um, during the 1920s. So they went through the Dust Bowl, they went through um, a time where the KKK, the grandmaster, was also the governor of Colorado at that time. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, they went through the Dust Bowl. They went through uh, World War II. They went, oh my gosh, that generation is really crazy, but they never talked about it. Um, you know, my grandma left school at sixth grade, had her first kid at 13 or 14 years old. I mean, hard lives. Um, so, re- reimagining of their lives during that time. And then what could have happened to this woman if she actually got an education, if she had an opportunity? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was, and it all started from an essay that I was writing about. Being in my grandpa's Cordova's um, garden and picking chilies and thinking to myself, during while I was writing that essay, what were their lives like? Because they didn't share that stuff. They, I mean, they followed the railroad here as a, he was a railroad worker um, after the war, um, and so the the book actually chronicles his time in the war, and it's very similar to his time in the war. He was he went he was a cook. Um, and it actually talks about the submarines, which was my dad was a submarine man um, in, in Vietnam. So it's kind of a mix of family all together there. But um, I mean, my grandparents, they followed, he worked on the railroads all the mm-hmm. way through Nevada and in Utah. And then they picked onions, you know, out here yeah. in sunset. Um, not very, you know, this isn't very romantic stuff. They didn't talk about it. Um but that was my exploration of like their lives through fiction. Um, and you, you, and
0: so you're still writing fiction, but you're writing what you're passionate about, and you got family. Exactly. So what's exactly. Castaway about then? So
1: Castaway is about Utah. You know, I mean, it's about... yeah. It sounds
0: like an island story, Castaway. Why wouldn't <laughs> yeah, it be in Utah? <laughs> right.
1: I mean, Utah is an island. Um, um, but it's a book about it's a book about dreamers it's a book about immigration It's a book about how positive um how how uh um immigrants can be such a positive force in our in our country and oh we need work. that
0: right now i mean yeah, yeah it's
1: gonna be you know people some people are gonna love it um, so that's
0: coming out right during the time that they might pass uh, some border immigration that it's that's interesting yeah it, it's yeah. really interesting how you know um you know, national politics i don't know it just seems like uh waves trends who knows yeah yeah well it's crazy because i wrote that book in
1: i wrote that book a lot it's been a while since i've wrote the first draft of this book um, a long time um and yeah but it's about someone who a young boy who comes to utah and a young woman who comes to utah and their lives here um one in 1923 right after the immigration act of 1923 and then in 1992 where there are a whole a bunch of other uh, immigration laws passed um, in the 90s and and that you know and I, let me tell you this as, as a writer a lot of that was coincidence you know mm-hmm. i wanted to write stories and i had these narratives lined up and then while writing this fiction I realized all these laws were being passed at the time my characters were living. I mean, so as writers, it's like, So you had to do a lot of research
0: too. You got to get it right.
1: Just stumbled on it
0: really. You know, I was like,
1: what's happening right there during that time just so I got to get it right. But I had no idea that, you know, the immigration, I didn't know the immigration law of 1923 as when I started writing the book. I didn't know about the 1991-92 laws that were passed. I was writing stories. Then you start to dig. It's one of those moments where you're on Google when you're writing and you look up that year and you're like, you know, the hairs stand up on your arm because you're like, oh my gosh, that's a crazy coincidence. But I also, my characters also have to deal (laughs) with what's happening there. I did that with Wild classes. I was looking at 1927 Trinidad, Colorado, where my grandparents were from, and I was just Googling the city so that I could describe it, you know, narrative description about what Trinidad, Colorado looks like, and I found a picture of a Confederate, um, of a Confederate, um, what do they call it, reunion uh, in the streets of Trinidad, Colorado. Oh, wow so everybody was dressed up in confederate uniforms and they were walking around them was the kkk as like a like a parade going down the center of Trinidad how far from.
0: after that's 1922 right so these still had confederate soldiers alive at that point yeah like, maybe they're yeah, like world probably. war ii or maybe i guess korean war soldiers now i googled
1: it just googling the city you know and i'm like Oh my gosh, my grandparents were living <laughs> right there, right then. Um,
0: oh man, what a fun thing to put right. into your story. And then it's actually yeah. factually true, even though you're doing a novel.
1: Yeah. So I threw, So I was like, well, I got to get them into that rally. you know. I was like, yeah. well, I'm going to ride right into that city and see what my characters do. Because I know the characters so well. Um, in it, you know. So that's there's a lot of crazy stuff like that when it comes to writing.
0: I mean, you've done the novel, you've done nonfiction, you're doing the screenplay. Uh so you're just unafraid to do you're just like, I don't do anything. I don't care. <laughs> just as long as I'm you not, have the passion for it. I'm not a poet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you and me no, both. I try
1: <laughs> it always comes out like Rod McEwen or something like that,
0: you know. my <laughs> mine's more like uh maybe Poe I have to be like the iambic pentameter like doop ba doop doo to do doo. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I'm not. I'm not good at that stuff.
1: I'm not good at poetry. I admire it. I love it. It's beautiful. I'm just yeah, just thinking.
0: I got to read more of it. So we've been talking to Case Johnson, award-winning writer, author Case Johnson, and thank you so much for joining us today on River Writers. Um, and I'm I'm glad that we settled the fact that you really do love the Oregon coast and you want to move here as soon as you can. But I understand. Yeah. You know, you got your your work and everything in Utah. But well, I, I, thanks
1: so much for having me and I will move there as soon as I, my application gets cleared.
0: <laughs> I will uh, I look forward for uh, look forward to you visiting soon.
1: Yes. Huh. Yes.
0: All right. Hey, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it and I will talk to you again later.
1: Okay, thanks. Thanks. See y'all.
0: Well, thank you for joining us today on River Riders and thanks to my guest Case Johnston for sitting down and chatting about riding. The Writers Guild of Astoria is a 501c3 nonprofit organization promoting the literary arts and serving writers in the lower Columbia region. You can learn more and become a member by visiting www.thewritersguild.org.